I would like to begin this episode by acknowledging that I am located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and I am privileged and honoured to live and learn on the unceded, unsurrendered territory of the Anishinaabe Algonquin Nation. Hello, you're listening to Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front, produced by iGlen Studios, a show for emerging leaders from all professions. To hear from other leaders who have led from the front, made the mistakes, had the triumphs, and are still learning along the way. And now, here's your host, Simon Cardinal. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. Let me ask you a question. Actually, let me ask you a few questions. What does the word power mean to you? Have you ever taken the time to ask yourself how you have power? Or have you ever wondered how this power might limit or help your team? Well, in this episode, you'll hear from Laura Jansen, Learning and Development Director at Radical Ventures Canada Incorporated and Independent Teaming Facilitator, who will help emerging leaders explore how power and rank dynamics are linked to building an environment where teams can thrive. She will connect how power and rank plays into creating a teaming environment where all team members can contribute feel a sense of belonging, and speak freely. Laura will provide insights and advice for leaders in how they can own their powers, as well as share them in a way that empowers their teams as a whole. But folks, as always, it's never about me. No one wants to hear from Simon. They want to hear from the guests. So with that, I'm going to introduce Laura. Hey, Laura, how's it going out there? Hi, Simon. Good to see you. How are you? I'm doing quite well. This is, I think this is our third episode that we've done together. I think so. Regular customer. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love it. And you know what? We get a lot of hits on the on, on the, all the different metrics and stuff. So people are very excited to have you back. I know I am. And as always, if we could start this off with a little bit of a background about yourself, who you are and how we got to this point, that, that would be great. Yeah, no problem. So my name is Laura Jansen, and I, I really started out teaching and enjoying that very much. And of course, as a teacher, you're learning all about group dynamics, how to create a psychologically safe environment for children and later students at university to to really learn and perform uh, the best we can. And I took that learning into the world of business about five years ago when I started working as a learning and development advisor at Radical Ventures Canada Incorporated. And we started working with teams all over the place, really internationally focused and really working with teams. How do we help them become high performing and resilient teams? And the same concepts, I really went there to, to learn what can I learn in business that we can apply in the field of education. And what happened was the other way around. I really realized that a lot of the lessons learned in education apply in the business world. How do we work best together? How do we use group dynamics better? How do we help teams to perform well and, and to do that at a sustainable level? Right now, I'm Radical's uh, Learning and Development uh, Director, and I'm tremendously enjoying that i work with teams all over in all kinds of sectors to help them do just that well thanks so much for that it's been a really interesting ride as you and i have been kind of going along doing these different episodes working within the the different workshops that you folks run i'm humbled that i get to kind of go along for this ride and 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 just see how things are developing as you folks are creating that content within reticle it's amazing and it's it's very very powerful i uh, i've always been struck by how how clearly defined the the programs are and how they work out so well anyways i'm trying not to ramble too badly (laughs) journey is the right word it has been an incredible journey and as our products are maturing like they get more simple and more complex in the same way but definitely uh enjoying helping these teams and and seeing the results of that the impact it can have even though sometimes it's a matter of tweaking things oh yeah absolutely and Within, you know, and you said it great, it, it gets more complex, but at the same time, it stays very clear and, and simple in how, how the product or the information is being delivered. That's the balance I find a lot of times is where do we draw that line between too much information and just enough that things are continuing to move forward. It's, it's an evil circle for sure. <laughs> It so is. And there's the huge gap between like what the research offers us and and how we actually can apply it in our day to day work environment. And and we try to bridge that gap by offering those products and those tools and those insights that really that you can pick up and use. How do we do that? That's the question we try to answer. Oh, for sure. And of course, 
one of the ways that we need to do that is to understand the, the power dynamic, which coincidentally is the whole topic of this particular episode, which is the power, the paradox rather of power. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to ask you the, the question straight up. What is power? Great that we talk about it today, really, because that's the one thing we don't tend to do a lot. Like if you think about you know things that get a lot of buzz these days, inclusivity, diversity, psychological safety, when it comes down to it, these have a lot to do with power and power dynamics within our team, yet we don't call it that. And the reason why is I think we associate power with, with something dirty, something we don't want, our brains want to go to clean things, pretty things, wonderful things, not to things we associate with negativity, yet we every day on the news and, and everywhere we look, we feel and see the impact of an abuse of power, a power taking away choice and control of other people. So yeah, it's something we don't really want to talk about. Yet if we really want to, our teams to thrive, then power is something we need to understand better and we need to discuss it in our teams. So if you really look at power instead of something power over people, but instead more power with people, then you can see power not so much as something you can own or have, but really more of an energy source, right? It's a, it's a force. And that force you can use in multiple ways. If you imagine a light bulb with a cord and some outlets, those outlets can be different things. So power can come from different power points, if you will. There's, for example, social power, right? So that's really about your race, your gender, your economic wealth, your nationality, your well-being, your education, and so on. In the culture where we grow up, some things are weighted more than others. And it's not about right and wrong. It's how we've been formed and shaped over the years, generations long. So you get more or less power points, for example, for being white or being female or being a native to the country that you live in. Right? That's different from, for, from example, personal power. Right? Personal power is very much about who you are, what you've gone through in life, uh, what challenged you as a child or what empowered you as a child, your curiosity, your optimism, your communication skills, everything that makes you you. And then there's a, such a thing, an outlet that you can see as positional power. Uh, what formal position do you have? If you are the CEO of a company, you have positional power. You have choice and control over others because of your position. Or informal power, you uh, are the funny one in the group of friends, right? That's the role you take on. And then lastly, there's, and there are many more, but these are really the, the if you want to break down the concept of power, you, you have those three big ones. And those three big ones, personal power, positional power, and uh, social power are really pretty fixed. They can change, but it takes several years, sometimes generations to change, right? You know, like how, how long it's been taking us for women to get equal rights. That just doesn't happen overnight. Tomorrow, you're probably still the CEO and you're probably still the funny one in your group of friends. So those things don't tend to change very quickly. But then there's also something called interactional power or interpersonal power. And that's power we really don't get to talk about a lot, but it's very important with concepts like psychological safety. And interactional power is what happens right now. Like, so we're in a conversation together in this podcast, you know, you're giving me the microphone. So I speak up, I'm talking, I have this know-how, right? And then you ask me a question, maybe a critical question, and something changes, right? Like, so it's a power within an interaction that happens, and that's called interactional power. And that one is way more fluid. It's more about how powerful we feel. Right? There's a difference between how powerful we are and how powerful we feel. And interactional power is really about that last one. How powerful do we feel? When you ask me a critical question, and I don't know the answer, then my voice starts to become softer. I might start to stutter. I might start to fumble in my notes and try to find the answer. And the power dynamic shifted right there, right then. And your power as the critical question asker went up. So this one is very dynamic. It fluctuates all the time. And that's a really important one because that's where abuse of power comes in. With people who do have many PowerPoints, and positional power, for example, but don't feel powerful, that's the feeding ground for abuse of power. 
you know, I, and that's um, a very long answer. <laughs> no, no, Sorry. that's great. That's that's fantastic. I really appreciate that. I've been writing notes like crazy, and I have a couple of different thoughts. But the first one that comes to mind, and I'd like to give a little bit of an example, if I may. Uh, I'm thinking about the interpersonal and interpositional power in how I very recently, as most people or listeners may be aware, I was in the regular force for a number of years, 26 years, I completely retired. And then I've recently gotten back in as a reservist. So a part-time military member, the reasons for that are unimportant related. They're not related to the podcast, but one of the things I've noticed now that I've still doing my other civilian job and this one as well, I noticed that when I'm working in the civilian job, my, my, my tempo, my mannerisms, how I stand, how I'm talking to people, even how I send emails, the tone inside the emails is, is different versus when I'm sending, doing these things in a very military perspective, very military role. When I'm talking to people, I'm, how, I, how I stand, I find I'm putting my hands on my hips a lot more. And because the role I'm in, I'm a master warrant officer, so I'm pretty high up in the non-commissioned officer rank structure. And how I speak to people is very different because of that power dynamic that exists within a clearly defined military chain of command and a hierarchy. Whereas in the, my civilian role, the position is just the position and how I need to deal with people, maybe, or use my power with people versus power over people or in the military, it's, it tends to be power over with a mix of power with, does that make sense? I kind of rambled there for a bit. No, it, it does. And you hit a few great points. One of them is that it, interaction, when we say interactional power, it really is so much more than our what we say to each other verbally. It really starts with how I enter a room or sometimes even before I enter a room. A huge uh, communicator is the way we tilt our heads. From that, just that, we already really conclude so much about how I rank compared to you. If you looked at LinkedIn, for example, how we introduce ourselves, what do we magnify? What do we try to hide? We wanna show we belong here in this group, but we also wanna stand out, right? We want to set ourselves apart, say I have something unique to offer. And that's a polarity we, we, we constantly handle in terms of ranking us, how are we being perceived by others and how do we perceive ourselves compared to others? That's constantly at play in our mind. So how we position ourselves, you know, in our bodily movements, the intonation of your voice, when you speak, how you speak, all of that plays in into that constant negotiation between you and me into in determining where do I rank. And the second thing you touched on is the aspect of hierarchy, because I think one of the misconceptions we have, I've been working with the military as well. Uh, so I get that question and, and there's a bit of anxiety with these topics, like I've, I've done, for example, workshops on team-based decision-making that gets met with a bit of skepticism and sometimes even anxiety because you, know, you need to let go of certain element of control and power in order to let the team make that decision, right? But it's not hierarchy itself that is a wrong. It's the same thing as with power. There's no wrong or right to hierarchy. It doesn't mean that if you have a flat organization that it runs more smoothly. Often you see in flat organizations that the like level of psychological safety is actually quite low because it's not clear who makes the decision and when and what happens if people don't abide by. So hierarchy can channel our communications very well and it actually creates a lot of safety and clarity for people. If I'm driving on a road and it's a small road and I see someone coming at me with a car then within a split second, I need to make a decision. Who's gonna, who's gonna go to the side and wait and let the other one pass, right? Or is that person gonna let me pass? So I look, how big is this car? Who's sitting behind a wheel? Is it a, a male or female? Uh, are they making eye contact? So I go through that scan very quickly to determine where do I rank versus this person? And I better be good at it because if I make a judgment call, you know, we both have, have a problem. So hierarchy on itself is not a bad thing, but it is exactly what you say. It's a hierarchy to control or is it a hierarchy to connect? And to be honest, we just haven't learned, our leaders haven't learned, but no one has learned how to do that, how to do that well. How do we have a hierarchy that connects? That's the gap we're trying to bridge. Oh, I, I completely agree. Like there's a long time where that, that connection, even talking about that connection was not the way to be a good leader. For many, many years, I th I'm thinking of the great man theory. I am the leader. Thou shalt follow. And without question, and don't talk to me unless I'm leading you, formally leading you. 
And that carried on for a long time. And I remember even when I was going through my military leadership training courses, there was a, in the beginning, back in 2007, it was mostly talking about transactional leadership. And there was some talk of transformational leadership. Those were the catchphrases at the time. And now during my last course, there was a lot more talking about the transformational styles of leadership, servant leadership, and, and putting in a sprinkling of things like uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs and understanding of very, very basic, very overview topical of things like systems thinking. And you get those, those types of things, understanding that there has to be a bit of a shift in how we're going to work with people, not have people work for us with the understanding that people are working for us. It's, it's a weird dynamic. It's all about balance, but uh, it's tough. And it's about performance. And we tend to forget that too in the discussions we're having about these topics is that often we talk about, well, we need to go to power with because it's, it's, it's better for those people that feel excluded or that are not heard, but we actually benefit from it. It enriches our teams. We do better. We perform better. We are more resilient when we do that. So that there's a, yeah, to me, a good leader understands that aspect. It's not just to be nice. It's not ethically or morally right. It is. But that's not the sole reason. There's also really a lot of research that shows the evidence of that the teams that can do this really, really perform a lot better. Uh, I, I love that. And I am curious, when we're talking about the interrelational power dynamics, and we're talking about all of the different ways that we can understand how we all roll out in, in a power environment, if that might be the word we could use, it's important to, to determine the ranking that we have, not just based off the position we're holding. Do you have any thoughts on that at all? I think it's spot on. I think it's your step one. If you think about, if you're listening to this and you think, okay, well, what has it, how do I give hands and feet to a concept like that? I notice all these power dynamics in my group and what do I do? You know, step one is really to understand where you stand, right? Like I said before, there's so many power outlets where you get your power ranking points from and way more than we mentioned before. But, but the total number of power points that you get really are the ones that drive your attitude within that group, your, your place within that group, and how, you, how free you are in that group. So understanding where you stand in the group is really your first step. And um, I don't know if you can bring it up, but there's a little test that we do this all the time, right? Like we watch each other and we, we negotiate that ranking all the time. And you probably have a pretty good understanding unless you're new to this group. But then, even then, because of the fact that you're new, you probably understand your ranking within. But, um, but we've developed a little test that you can use, just a quick scan to give you an indication of where would I stand? And then we can talk about uh, how does this play into your behavior within that group and really the power that you have within that group? So this is this is called the Mindel test. It's really based on Arnold Mindel, who's done a, a lot of research on, on group dynamics and conflict within groups and talks about power a lot and, and believes we need to talk about power a lot. And he says, well, like if you would just take the 10 big aspects, right? Like your heritage, your gender, your sexual preference, authenticity, health, your economic position, your education, your language proficiency, your know-how, and your age and seniority. If you would just take those 10 points, and then you take a team in your mind, it could be any team you're part of. It could be, you know, you just joined the Hells Angels. Maybe you just uh, took on a second job. Maybe there's a volunteering team in your neighborhood that you're part of. You pick a team and you have a team in mind. And now you go, for point by point, and you determine in that context, how many points would have ranking points, power points would I give myself compared to others? So in this podcast, for example, for heritage, I'm not Canadian, right? I am white, but I'm not native Canadian. So I would probably give myself maybe two points here, neutral, right? Uh, my language proficiency, because I'm not native, is also like I speak English, but not as well as you, Simon. So I would probably give myself one point here. So you really go through the list and give yourself points based on the context that you have in mind. And then out comes the score. And the score will be a minimum of 10 points and a maximum of 30 points. Now, again, don't be too rigid in thinking about this test. The list could be way longer. And it's it's a very subjective way of filling this in. However, Again, this is very much what 
our brain does subconsciously when we walk into a room, we start ranking, right? Where do I stand compared to others? Okay, so outcomes of score, right? And and for listeners that are interested in doing it, uh, I, I invite you to, to just do it. And, and you can, um, there's a QR code right there that you can try on and you can do the, the little test online. Now, point is, is that if your score is relatively low, so below the 15 points, then that does something with you, right? That means that you're most likely within that context, because power is contextual, you're cautious and your social antenna are really on super alert mode. You're hypersensitive to all those nonverbal cues that are happening in the room and you focus on detecting them. And your tendencies to adjust, you know exactly what's okay and what's not okay in this room. And what your mind is worried about is, do I fit in, right? That's what happens to us when, when those scores are low. And if your score way above, like above 25 to 30 points, well, then you feel very different. You're confident. You feel accepted. You feel valued. You can actually just be yourself, no problem. And you actually don't really worry about what other people think. Or maybe what you worry about is really how do I stand out, right, versus fitting in. So what we often don't realize is how much ranking has to do with how we feel and how we behave in groups. And what we tend to see is that, especially with our leaders, we tend to want to be, of course, up there in terms of points. We want to feel great. And as that position is growing, because a lot of these factors give us a lot of points, we're white, we're male, we have had good education, been on the job for a while, all those points together kind of makes that we join more and more groups and we have a high score in all of those groups. And we start to think, this is me. I just say what I think, right? I can just be myself. I have a lot of know-how, but the reverse too. If you have a low score and you tend to feel like that in a lot of groups based on so many of these power outlets that, you, that, that determine your ranking points, we start to personalize that and think, oh, I've got imposter syndrome. You know, like, I, I, you know, it's hard for me to, to, to say what I need, right? And we don't realize that a lot of this has to do with ranking. Just think about um, what we tend to say are feminine character traits, right? Reading the room, uh, having a high emotional intelligence, that sixth sense that we talk about. That has nothing to do with gender and everything to do with rank. So I think that's our first step is where do I stand and understanding how that plays into how you feel and how you act within the group. Absolutely. I, I think about uh, in the time when I was going into the master's degree and it's a, it's a blended program. And so I was doing the online portion. I wasn't giving it a lot of thought because I was just doing my thing. And it happened to be that in my cohort, I was the only military member. And, and then all of a sudden it started coming, getting closer to actually having to go to do the first two week residency portion. And I started freaking out because I had got it in my head that, uh, because I was the only person in the military, I had no right to be there. It happened to, the course happened to be in British Columbia. So there was some, some social things in there where I a lot more calm. <laughs> it's our version of California, that type of idea. And so I had in my head that people were not going to like me because I was in the military and that, uh, I, you know, I was going against all these different social aspects of things. Uh, so much so to the point that I actually gave myself the common cold. I beat my, my immune system up enough to stress myself out so much that that happened. And then I got there and realized that wasn't the case. So my long-winded Simon point to that is you were talking about how it's very subjective. And I'd like to offer that when we're going through this and we're looking at the doing this test on ourselves or this assessment rather to, to, to try and look at it from a clear lens or from an, a very impartial calm lens, because I did not do that. I went down the list. It, it was not, did not go well for me. I right up until the point I got there and I realized, okay, I needed to, I redid everything. And then it made a lot more sense. And it was, I think it was a lot more realistic to actually where I was in, in the scheme of things. Yeah. And, and you hit a great point about how contextual it is, right? Like, even thinking back and how I introduced myself, you know, the fact that I introduced myself as, as a as primary school teacher initially does something with my ranking points. It will give some of the listeners less reason to listen to me just because our society 
puts less weight on that than if I say, my name is Laura Jensen, I'm the director of uh, Radical Ventures uh, Incorporated Canada, you know, I do this and that, right? The context is, determines everything. Like if you're in a military environment versus you're the only military person in that room, uh, it, it's a major shift. Yeah, and you're right, like having, having those low, low scores, it is stressful. So there doesn't even need to be a conversation or meeting, you're already in a position of stress. Yeah, exactly. And that stress level, that that will skew how we look at and see ourselves, especially if, if things start off really well, then okay, okay, right on my, my position in the group is solidified, I'm doing great. But on the other side of that, if, if you have an immediate bump in the road or something that can also start a, a, a path of, of self destruction, almost as you're trying to go along and see yourself lower in the power ranking within the group. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And like, Laura lists, in her stories, compares power sometimes with an elephant and, and, and mice. And I think it's just such a, a wonderful comparison to kind of visualize this whole concept. Because if you think about elephants, for example, they're huge, right? They, they look invincible, they're strong. They go, if they're in the forest and there's an open spot in the forest and they wanna to go to the other side, they go. They don't need to think about it twice. If there's a branch in the way, they'll just remove it and they'll go, right? They can carry a lot of weight. They can get a lot of stuff done, incredibly intelligent. Like there's a lot of power right there, but they don't necessarily know what's going on beneath them, right? Like, cause they're so big. So they, there's a lot that goes on down there that they don't notice. Like for example, a mouse and a mouse very much is very aware that it's not an elephant, <laughs> right? When it sees the elephant, it will, yeah. If, if they want to cross that spot in a forest, they will very much determine their journey based on where the elephant is. They will adjust their route. They will avoid risk. They don't want to be stepped on, right? And just that position, and that goes back what, what we just said, just being in that position of a mouse is a position of stress, right? It will make that you avoid risk. It will make that you're more cautious it will make that you are less likely to speak up, right? As a mouse, you're not likely to stand in the middle of that spot in the forest and say, hi there, hello, right? That's putting yourself incredibly at risk. Besides, the elephant doesn't really like it that you're there because before it can just cross that open spot in the forest without thinking. And now it all of a sudden needs to watch their step. And to an elephant, that very much feels like a loss, a loss of freedom. The concept that that mouse has something to tell him that could actually help them and help the forest and help the whole group of elephants and mice, they haven't realized that yet, right? So, and I find this a beautiful visualization of the concept of power and the power dynamics in our teams, right? Like there are a lot of leaders out there who say, just speak up. If there's a problem, let me know. And don't realize that for a little mouse, that's you're asking the impossible right and this is i think the the part that that kind of needs to change and we need to create more tools in we need to create tools for elephants to bend down and start to listen something that we don't tend to well do well as soon as we reach a higher ranking position in a team and i deliberately say higher ranking you don't need to be a leader for that there are teams out there where there's a leader that actually has low ranking and a secretary runs the place, like in terms of ranking, right? So it's about high ranking individuals within the group. And they determine the norm, they determine how, what rules to play by, and therefore also who doesn't belong in that norm, the mice. And we need tools in order to reach out and really hear the mice so we can benefit from them. And mice need tools in order to stand there and speak up. Because that's the other part, right? Like if we feel low on the ranking, we start hesitating, we start stuttering, we start to uh, blush when we speak. And this is very easy for an elephant to say, okay, well, you obviously don't know what you're talking about. You're not, you, you don't sound that sure. So they make it easy to be dismissed. So these are things we, we need real, real skills in, I think, in, uh, in conquering. Oh, hello there. It's Glenn, the voiceover artist. And if you're hearing me, that means we're at the midpoint of this episode. Do you have an idea for an episode that you feel is vital for emerging leaders? 
Leave the idea in the comments section, and if your topic is chosen, you will have the opportunity to join us as a co-host during the recording session. So, drop us a note and let's talk. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you, and if you feel we've earned it, please tell your friends and leave a review to help us grow our following. And now, back to the show. I think of the Canadian Air Force's airworthiness uh, maintenance program. It's actually one of regarded as one of the stronger programs throughout the world in that the program is designed in such a way to ensure that accidents don't happen again. Because the fact of the matter is accidents, they're going to happen. Mistakes, that's just the way it is. Mistakes are going to happen. Hopefully, we can mitigate those by learning from them. And one of the ways that this program is so strong is that it really pushes, if I could use that word, the, the concept that the newest person, or sorry, the person with the most voice doesn't have to be the person with the highest rank on their on their uniform. It's the person who has the experience or maybe the least amount of experience, but is looking at things from a different way to help. And it tries to foster a program whereby everyone feels as though they can speak up regardless of their rank, even though there is a very clearly defined hierarchy inside the military. And, it, and for the most part, it works very well. It takes a while. A lot of times it takes a while, uh, young privates or aviators now to, to get used to that and actually kind of trust it. Um, but an example I could use would be, I remember when I had arrived in cold Lake after getting promoted to the rank of master corporal, which in the Canadian air force is the first level of formal leadership. I came cruising in and I was placed into the, the long-term maintenance. We call it phase. And I was in charge of two other guys. And these guys had collectively like 30, 40 years of experience on the F-18. And even though I was the, the person with finger quotations in charge, well, not even finger quotations, I was in charge of our little section. Uh, I relied heavily on them to be able to guide me to make the right decisions when it came to deciding how we were going to prioritize maintenance and what was more important than others, because I don't know. And the program is very good for that. Now, of course, there is always uh, the caveat I like to put in with that is negligence is different than a mistake, but <laughs> that's that's neither here nor there. For But for the, the point of this, even though inside the military structure, I still held the position of authority, formal authority, the, the power, if you want to word it that Inside our group, we learned to work, we learned to use power with each other, not power over each other. And I, I think that's a part of this. I, for all intents and purposes, would have been the elephant if we want to look at it that way for this example. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And that's also where the risk is. So like an, there are many tools that kind of help us kind of see how we're doing as a team. For example, one thing Radical does is a, a team discourse analysis, and we can actually see what's the share of dialogue in this team. Now, if I'm having a presentation, that's going to look very different from uh, having a co-constructive brainstorming session with my team. But if the, the, the purpose is co-construction, Right? and everybody weighing in, I should be able to, to see that my share of dialogue is, is really nicely divided, right? And there's no majority minority. Yet in most teams that we, that we see, there's a majority voice and minority, but the majority part does not realize there is a majority. So you hear teams say, yeah, we had consensus on that. And the question I as a facilitator ask, did you? How did you know? And most often than not, they cannot tell me because they didn't check and there was someone else and there was a different voice. They just weren't able to really draw that out for, for all the reasons that we talked about before. So yes, there, there are ways to look at that and we often don't use them and we often think we know. Um, Julie Diamond in her book, Guide to Power, she talks about power being almost something like if you're climbing a mountain, when you come close to the top of the mountain, you reach the death zone. And the death zone is just simply, there's less oxygen in the air. So it does something with your brain. And you start to not be able to really have a, a realistic sense of the world around you. And therefore your decision-making is impacted. And she says, power works the same way. The more you get to the top, the more your, your sense of realism gets impacted but you don't realize it. You think you okay. You think you know it all. You've seen it all. You think you know what the mistakes are and why and what happened. And you think you asked everyone and you had consensus, right? But there's a big gap and you are in that death zone. The difference with the mountain climbing and power is that being in the death zone feels pretty awesome when it comes to power. 
So it, it, it's so awesome that it's addictive. That's something we need to realize that you can't assume. And, and when you're, you, you have a score higher than 2025, 20, you can assume that there's parts that you really don't see in here. And you will have to go actively find it. And that could be pretty, you, you can do that as a CEO. You can say, you know what? No one's leaving this meeting until I heard every reason why we should not do this. Right? Or you're going to explore all the aspects that came to play that made this point in time what it was. And I want to hear it all. Like, and really hunt for those alternative perspectives. Assume that you don't hear them. And I think inside that too, if everyone's kind of staring at you and then if the boss is saying or the leader is saying, I want to hear it all, we're not leaving till we till we get it. And no one is saying anything. I think that's time to challenge someone and say, okay, listen, there's no way this is perfect. There's no way to think, let, let's just take this time. Let's be honest. We're not leaving. Let's go. Does, does that make sense? Kind of push a little bit. Yeah. If no one's answering, there's something going on in that team. There is not the level of psychological safety that you want and that needs work. And, and people will need that trust proven over time that if they do speak up, that it's received, acknowledged, valued, that it enriches a decision. So if you have everybody given input and you still do what you wanted to do in the first place as a leader, well, then logically a mouse is not going to risk their life again crossing that. Well, why would they? It doesn't matter. Right. So th there's a lot that comes to it that we're not always uh, as aware of. There's so many things that we can't see from ourselves because maybe our perspective is different from the the way we were, our position is requiring us to uh, come at a different challenge or a problem or a tasking or whatnot. And different people are going to see different things. And uh, often I, I'd like to think of the, the example of the truck, the tractor trailer truck that was whipping down the highway and got stuck underneath an overpass and everyone's freaking out. How do we get this truck out of the way? And a little boy comes up out of the blue and says, well, why don't we just let the air out of the tires? A different <laughs> perspective is most often the easiest way to do it. And sure enough, the, the truck was went away. And, yeah. and I think that a lot of times if we, we think, especially if we're not in the, the, the formal position of authority, we're thinking that our idea is probably a been thought of because what do we know? Or it's, it's not good enough because the, the leader didn't come up with it. And that's, this is all part of this interpersonal interrelational idea of fostering that because the, the, the elephant doesn't necessarily have all the great ideas. And the mice doesn't necessarily not have any ideas and it all it's all tied together. It's a balance. Yeah. And, and, and this is exactly what we do. Like for, for, if you have mouse rank within a certain context, you do feel very isolated and you don't realize there are more mice, not, they're, not everybody's high ranking, but you like, so, so, but you feel isolated in that. Again, we, we, projects on ourselves but also others the same if, with elephants right they carry humongous amount of weight and responsibility and it's not all their responsibility we're active part also as a mouse in that power dynamic power dynamic always consists of of two not one when we look at elephants for example it's easy to say like okay well if it goes really well then the leader is a hero if it doesn't go well it's all their fault Right. Without really understanding okay, what what did I offer in this? What was my responsibility in this? So to go back to your example of, OK, the CEO asked this question and everybody remains quiet. It is really a balance between that caring, like really asking and inviting, but also daring. Once you're being invited, when it's asked for to take that step and say, OK, I have a different perspective on this. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's understanding that we can look at the other perspectives and, and see that their, their value is there within them. That's a big deal. It's tough to be able to do that and understand that how we're going to be able to move forward and work together as a team is by genuinely authentically hearing what's being said. And I think a lot of the times it's, it's not even about getting rid of the mice or the elephants. It, it carries a lot with just understanding where we are within the environments and being in the moment carries a lot of positional authority, I guess. Yeah, and spot on, like, of course, everybody would like to be an elephant because that feels good, but it's not going to happen, for one. And secondly, you don't want it to happen because you're right, all those different perspectives actually have something to bring. It's the mouse that can see the risk and opportunities that you can't. That's huge for your company. It's huge for your team, right? So you want to use that. But I think like when people listen to this, they're like, well, I do that, I do that. But I think one thing we need to realize is it's about those hotspot moments there are certain polarities within our society, within our team that create 
hotspot moments where we really disagree. And that's when it becomes hard to invite those different perspectives and really listen to them. Or perhaps hotspot moments are decisions. When a push comes to shove, we need to make a decision. How do we do that without saying to the mice in the room, okay, well, thanks for giving your input, but you know, it's not gonna happen because you're the minority here, right? There are ways of doing that, but again, we haven't learned. How do you do team-based decision-making? It probably wasn't part of your MBA. So that's a skill we need to learn. And there are ways of doing that. This is not a political podcast, but we saw it in the United States quite often. And you see it in, in every country where politics will get very divisive. You don't agree with me, therefore you are wrong. Or <laughs> you don't agree with me, we, we can discuss this and go from there. I think of... Again, my, my, my master's degree, and we were having a conversation inside my, my group. We were talking about the use of the word subordinate, because inside the military, that's just what we, we use. And it's not meant in any type of thing other than I'm the master corporal and I have two people working for me. They are my subordinates. And that was totally fine. It was uh, a total lack of emotion or concern in that. That's just the word. So as I'm writing all my essays, in my papers, I was using the word subordinate a lot. And I had seen the words direct report, but I had never heard of them before I started this program. And actually, I got, we got into a bit of a conversation inside the group because I was getting, when, I, when people were reading the paper, reviewing it for me, they're saying, you can't use subordinate. It's derogatory in its nature. It's insulting and, and all of the different things. I'm like, no, 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 no. In my world, this is just, it's just a word. The same way as the word the is a word or banana is a word. I'm describing something or someone and that's the, that's the vernacular we're able or we're okay with to go with. And so it was an interesting, and we, what was interesting about that was we were able to have a conversation about it. Ultimately, we did not end up agreeing with each other, but we are, we're still very good friends. And we had a conversation. We figured out, ultimately, I just kept using the word, but it's just all part of that understanding that we're going to disagree and how, as the, the elephants and the mice, how we can do that. And I think most conversations, we can do that. We can agree to disagree. But but you've seen in Corona times too, like before, vaccination was like, well, I'm vaccinating my kids. You're not vaccinating my kids. Okay, that's up to you. We have the freedom of choice in that and take our parental responsibilities as we see best. But when Corona came up, we couldn't be okay with that anymore. There was this polarity within our society that kind of forced us to choose, right? You're either for it or against it. Right. And, and we became very black and white and we feel so strongly with that and identify with that, that at that moment, it becomes really hard to actually listen to someone who stands on the opposite side and find nuggets of gold in there, pieces of wisdom that you can use and really come to a new understanding with or a new decision with or co-create something with. Yeah, so so again, it's those hotspot moments. That's when power dynamics really come to play and prove how things are in, in your team. It can be all fine and great and wonderful, but when the gravel hits the road, that's when it becomes interesting. No, 100% with that. And it's like you said, when we get going, we've got to move and people, there has to be someone that's going to make the decisions and, and that's okay. I am curious. What type of advice, like, do you have any type of practical hard tools? Of course, we could talk about the Mindell's list, uh, the, the assessment as, as a way to help emerging leaders understand and use their power and their rank. Do you have any other types of uh, practical advice or tools you'd offer? Well, that one, the Mindell's list is really great too. Like you could even put it on your notebook and like do a little, if you join a new group or meeting to see, okay, where would I stand here? Because if the if the score is higher and you become one of the higher ranking members in the group, then that means you need to do more on the care side. You need to invite more. You need to hunt for that alternative. Are you on the low side? You know you need to do more on the dare side. So speaking up, uh, what helps you in that is really understanding, speaking about what you're passionate about. That helps, right? It's easier to speak up when you do that. When you're advocating for other people, so it's easier for me to say, Simon had a great point there. I think we need to listen to that. It's easier for me to say that than speaking up for myself, right? And knowing my own strengths and triggers. So those are things that you, you can really do. Recently, I just did a Colby test online. You pay 17 bucks and it tells you your innate reaction to things. And it's really informative and, and it helps you kind of understand what do I bring to this team? For example, if you're a fact finder, Right, someone who's very much about details and research, well, then that's your strength. Knowing that and knowing that you're one of the few on a team who has that, that's where you score your three points. 
makes it easier in a moment like that to say, well, actually, I've, I've looked this up and research shows that and speak up. So those are some things you can do. Another really cool technique, and I'll give it here, uh, very simple, ridiculously simple. I usually say in my workshops as well. We like it that way. And, and no one will know that you do it. So that's another uh, great way because you, it's easy to try out. It's the zoom in and the zoom out. So this is something you can do when you're preferably higher ranking within that team to, to really encourage others to speak up. So the zoom in works like this. When I'm speaking to you right now in a podcast and I want to speak as Laura, director of Radical Ventures, then I zoom in and I move forward and I speak as Laura with all the experience I have, all the education I have, all the lessons learned, who I am, all my personal power, every single power outlet I can find. And I say, Simon, we need to talk more about power than we do. We don't need one podcast. We need five of them. Right. And this is why. Right. So that's a zoom in. So I own my rank here and then I move out. Like a move backwards. And this is a moment I'm not speaking as Laura anymore. I'm speaking according to my rank. Right. So I become neutral right now. And my job is to do that care. And I say, but I can also imagine there are other topics that are like that have a priority right now, such as psychological safety, for example, before you can talk about something like power. And I'm curious, Simon, what your take is on that, because if no, you've done a podcast about psychological safety before. So what I've done here is I first spoke as Laura, I own my rank, then I moved backwards, I became neutral, and now I nudge by saying something that gives a a different perspective. So the message of that is, I know that this was just my perspective. I also know there are other perspectives and I wanna hear them. So I become neutral, I give a nudge by saying what a mouse might be thinking. I could give a couple of examples. And then I attach an invitation to that. Simon, what do you think, right? So neutral, nudge, invite. That's the zoom in and the zoom out technique. And you can try it out on your kids. Just uh, the other week, I was talking to my uh, 14-year-old and I did it. I I zoomed in and I said, "Uh, Maeve, you know, you're getting to the stage. I really don't want you to walk around in um, a short shirt at school that shows your belly button. When I go to work, I need to look professional too. And, you know, I expect the same as you. I think that's important. And then I zoomed out and I said, but I can also imagine that at this time you want to express yourself and and, and find out what you like fashion wise. And I'm curious to hear what are your boundaries in that, right? And that way we were allowed to have this dialogue and came to an enriched decision that we could both commit to. So this is the zoom in and zoom out. You can practice it anywhere, anyhow, any context you want. And it's super effective. I really like that. And I like the idea that it's meant to create a dialogue, not saying, even though I'm, I'm the mother in this case, I'm the parent, it's my way or the highway. Cause we all know how well that's going to work with teenagers. <laughs> even in a professional setting, if someone comes in and they're yeah. bowling that China shop and they're running around just dropping laws and, and rules and decisions that, that rarely goes well for the team. Yeah. And, and, and that's it, right? Like, because owning our rank is sometimes just as hard. How many parents are out there who want to be the friends their daughters and their son's friends well you're not their friend a friend doesn't tell you to go to bed at 11 o'clock at night right like so there there is power there and you can own it and you can celebrate it but then we need to take this next step and share it right by by placing that invitation by nudging them and by hearing them when they do and i think that that's the part where we we need to do better the challenge is to think about our own lives and all the teams the groups that we're part of and understand you know, do I mostly have that elephant role? Do I mostly have that mouse role? And understanding that it's you're not either or, you're both. I was in this uh, webinar with with Amy Edmondson, who is the guru when it comes to psychological safety. And the question got asked, what make, makes leaders good leaders in this context? She said three words, really. And she said, humility, empathy, and vulnerability. And if you think about those three words, and I would ask you, can you think of an impactful moment in your life, something that really formed and shaped you? And the next question I would ask you is, 
were you an elephant and mouse in that context, there's a big likelihood you were a mouse, not an elephant. So that means what makes us great leaders, what makes us great elephants is the mouse within us. So it's not about either or, it's about connecting with both and being able to go back and forth with your own, the mouse in you and the elephant in you, if you will. Yes, I, I'm going to say I completely agree, but I said that a lot because I do completely agree with everything that you've been saying. And, and I think of my own story and how many times throughout my military career, I've looked at leaders and said, that's the person I want to emulate in aspects of not everything. In the beginning, I would, when I was a lot younger and I didn't quite have uh, some of my own maturity, I would say that I would say, I want to be exactly like that person. But now I've learned to say, okay, I want, I want to emulate those aspects of this person and in these particular times and the different traits. And you're absolutely right. More often than not, I was a private, a young corporal, a master corporal, whatever. And, and now even in the civilian industry, I, I still have I'm very lucky. I have very strong leaders that uh, are inside the organization and I see aspects of them that I, I, I also want to emulate. And it's about looking back. And in all of these instances, I was, I was the most. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah and if you realize you're, you're too much of one thing, like if you realize that you're constantly in the context where you're the mouse, okay, go find, find out what your strengths are and go join a group where that really comes out where you're the one who knows what they're talking about. And if you're the elephant most of the time, then then connect with like, do do join the Hells Angels or, or, or learn a new language, find contacts that allow you to connect with, with all those experiences from before where, where you weren't in that strong position because they allow you to connect with the people on your team who are not in that position. And it's, it's, uh, it's, a, it's essential for your team to do well and for you to be a good leader in the end. Oh, I, I completely agree. And and I think there's something to be said for those moments where you're like, wait a tick. That was that was pretty important. And more often than not, it doesn't happen in the moment. It's when we're kind of reflecting on something in the background. And you you and I had spoken about it. it's those aha moments where like, oh, okay, wh what was this and why was that so important? Do you do you want to talk about that for a moment? Yeah, well, well, as you were talking, I was thinking, I'm like, I'm trying to think of, okay, what have I gone through in moments where I really felt like, on the bottom of the totem pole, but that has been really impactful. And I, I think back of a time when I was a young teacher just starting out and I lived in, in the northern part of uh, the Netherlands where people had their own ponies and, you know, like everybody was white and like, every, you know, everybody was economically had it, had it pretty good. And I decided I want, wanted something different. I wanted to know what life would look like in a big city. And I uh, chose the worst neighborhood to go teach and it, it gave me I, like I, I went through hell through that experience I did and I came in that with all my knowledge about this is how you should do it and this is pedagogically correct and it I could all throw it away in front of that class because it made no sense to them and I needed to do a lot of other things to win their trust before I could start yeah, and I was the only white person in the room as well. I'd never been a minority in any way before that time. So it was eye-opening to me. And, and as frustrating as it is to, to wait until you're 20 to, to experience at that, it was a huge experience that to today leads me to where what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. So it's um, connecting with that feeling you know, I've immigrated a couple of times. I've been a newcomer. I don't speak the language fluently uh, within those countries. So the, it, it's allowed me to understand. And when there's someone in my team that doesn't speak the language properly, I'm careful not to dismiss it. I'm careful to be more patient. I ask more questions because I know what that's like. And I know if something to offer that's relevant for all of us. So it helps. Oh, yeah. And it's I think it's important to remember that uh, we all have something to offer, even if we don't think we do. It's worth putting it out there there. You just don't know. You don't know what's been offered and explained or why. So this has been fantastic. We have been speaking a lot about the, the paradox between power and rank and how we can work within it, how we can understand it. We've talked a bit, uh, a bit about the elephant and the mouse, all of these different things. I'm curious, before we move into the lightning round, do you have any final thoughts at all? Yeah, maybe on that, on the, on the aspect that it's it's called paradox of power and it's called that not for nothing in the sense that you know we did talk about the elephant and the mice but the the, the real paradox is really well it's twofold one elephants find it hard to listen two mice find it hard to speak up so there's a, a paradox for you that makes it very hard to hear each other 
right? So that's one. And the second one was really what makes you a great leader is the, the great elephant is a mouse within you. So we need both. We need rank fluidity, not one or the other. So I just want to highlight that, that when it comes to power and the paradox of power, those are two things you really want to keep in mind. Thank you very much for that. And with that, this seems like a great time to roll into the lightning round. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, you're good. You're good. Okay. Question one. In one minute, describe your perfect leader. A perfect leader is someone who creates an environment where everybody can be the perfect leader, where everybody can be authentic, feel they belong, can contribute, can be something that they couldn't be without each other. Where Everybody's success is their success. And everybody feels home. Less than a minute. There we go. Yeah, well done. Uh, Question number two. Cup half full or cup half empty? Uh, Where's the the tap? That would be my answer. (laughs) That's a new one. I love it. Question three. If your leadership style was a famous actor, who is it and why? Meryl Streep. I think she can play anything and become, literally become someone else. So, you know, a lot of what we talked about is about perspective taking, right? And the ability to do that, even shifting between your elephant and mouse is about perspective taking, understanding there are different stories, other truths. And I think as an actor, you need to be so good at that, but by really stepping into somebody else's life and become that person. And I think uh, she embodies that in every movie that she's been in that I've seen from her. So uh, someone I, I, I do very much admire. Okay, perfect. And question number four. What would you like to improve about your leadership style? <laughs> That's an easy one. Um, well, lots. I don't know how long this podcast uh, is allowed to be, but like, I'll keep it short. <laughs> uh, a patience is a big one. My level of patience could be improved. And with that, my ability to listen. Um, so when people start talking, I start to create new ideas and new thoughts. And I get very excited. And at that moment, I'm not listening anymore. So creating space in my own mind to not have to do anything at all, but listen, truly listen to someone and then go through a process of, okay, like what do I want with the information that I have? That's a challenge for me. And I'd love to improve that. Okay. And lastly, what do you think is your leadership strength? Well, I've been told that creating an atmosphere where people can speak freely and and feel valued and feel safe uh, so that we can learn together, perform together. Yeah, every group that I've been part of or had to lead, I think we've been able to deliver that, like a positive climate, a positive culture. So I think I think that's a power tool if you can do that. And I, for a long time, I didn't know what I was doing that made that work. It kind of felt innate. But the more I've learned about this topic, about power, about psychological safety, I start to understand why it works. And I want to magnify that and give that to others because it's not just an it factor. We talk about it as if it's an it factor as a leader that you can do that or you can't do that. But there's actually ways about it, real tools and methods for you to use. So I think that's my greatest passion and probably what I'm what I'm best at. Perfect. That's it. That's the lightning round. No problem. <laughs> I want more questions. <laughs> <laughs> more questions. More questions. This is fantastic. <laughs> Laura, this has been great. We have had a really impactful and powerful talk. Every time you and I get together, it's always fantastic. And I'm learning all kinds of new things. I've been writing notes and I can't wait to get into this a little bit more. I'm hoping we'll have you on as a guest again very soon. If people want to hear from you before then, before the next episode that we do, how can people reach out to you? Through laura.teams at radical.ca. So that's laura.teams at radical.ca or find Laura Jansen on LinkedIn and uh, reach out. Okay, perfect. Of course, I'll have uh, links to those spots in the show notes and, and we'll go from there. I'll also have the QR code available inside the show notes as well. So in case people want to be able to track down Mindell's list. assessment there, list Mindell's list, sorry, had a brain fart for just a moment there. And, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go from there. Thanks so much for this, Laura. This has been a, a real true pleasure and I'm, I enjoy speaking to you so much. Thanks so very much for having me, Simon. I'm looking forward to chatting uh, with you soon. Take care. Well, that's a wrap from the front. In this episode, we talked about the paradox of power and rank and, and where we all kind of file out in the middle of things and understanding that just because we're in charge doesn't mean that we're not a follower. And just because we're a follower doesn't mean that we can't be in charge. 
Amy Edmondson said it best when she said that the three things that makes leaders really good elephants are vulnerability, humility, and empathy. Thanks for tuning in. And remember, leadership without passion limits the depth of your vision. Never miss an episode by following us on all of your favorite feeds. While you're there, please consider leaving an episode review and let us know what topics you would like to hear about. Be sure to join us next week with your host, Simon Cardinal, for another episode of Trench Leadership, a podcast from the front. Produced by iGlen Studios. Music provided by Ashamal of Music. <laughs>